Welcome to the Founder Scale Sales Leadership Podcast, where we help business founders and sales leaders understand and overcome the challenges of building high-performing sales teams. Taylor, how's it going? Doing great, Josh. How are you? Doing well. Good. I am ready to talk today about a pretty difficult conversation that a lot of sales leaders have uh, when they're trying to qualify their deals, and those are around budgets. So a few things that I want to start off with, I mean, I think you would agree with this, right? If you're in the middle of trying to get involved in an opportunity, there has been plenty of situations and plenty of history where you chase a deal and they have absolutely no budget to even make that deal a reality. They want to learn about it. They want to get educated about it. They'll and they'll kind of spin your tires a little bit, and they don't know how how you know inexpensive or expensive a solution would be. So when when we talk about these kinds of things, I want to discuss with you what are some top ways that sales leaders out there can get to the budget conversation as soon as possible with their client to know that they're going down the right path. Yeah, I think there's a number of ways that they can, you know, figure out the budget conversation. And, and it's really, this is really about how to have the conversation with your reps or your sales reps mm. and what you want them to do when it comes to budget. What are the best practices they have? And then how do you train them to uncover it? So the first part is, is, you know, do you need to uncover budget during yeah. the sales cycle, right? What type of sales do you have? Um, you know, how consultative is it? how qualified are the leads already, right? Will lead to how you want to, how you really want to uncover the budget. So I think that's the first question is, is how do you want your reps to handle it? And are they being diligent about uncovering the budget? So some of the top ways I've seen to really uncover budget and and ways to train reps on this is to provide a range. Um, That's number one. Mm -hmm. So what happens in most cases is most people, ask a budget, right? A sales rep will ask what their budget is and they'll literally ask it just like that. Well, what kind of budget do you have? <laughs> yeah, right. And normally that doesn't go Click. very well. <laughs> Hello, um, is anybody still there? Hello? Right, right. Oh, <laughs> was that a click? Um, yeah. They're gone. Um, so they literally just ask, what's your budget or some kind of, you know, what, similar type of, of ask, right? And the issue with that is, what is going through the head of the prospect, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of prospects are gun shy from past deals gone wrong or whatever it might be. And so they don't want to tell you the budget is number one. So maybe they have a budget and they don't want to tell you because they feel like, you know, they've talked to so many reps over the past where they tell them their budget's 50K or 100K and somehow miraculously the deal comes out to be 50 or 100K. Yeah, (laughs) $49,985. So they don't want that, right? So they're kind of gun shy about providing a budget because of that reason. Um, Mm -hmm. There's other reasons like they don't legitimately know how much this is going to cost, right? I mean, when you look at a lot of projects in a growing organization, um, when you're getting into new territory, you know, if, if you need help from an outside vendor, you're already probably by de facto getting into another territory or another level in your business where you may not have the knowledge to make mm. that decision. So, you know, let's use IT as an example. You know, you're a small business and your brother does IT, right? And he helps you out with the company. And now all of a sudden you're 40 people or you had one vendor that you're using and now you've grown from 40 to 100 people. You have a different set of challenges. You don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of that challenge is, well, I don't have a budget. 
because I don't know what the budget should even be. And yeah. that's that's another area, right? So there's all yeah. kinds of reasons, I guess, that we have to discuss first on why somebody may not know their budget or want to divulge the budget to the sales rep. Mm-hmm. I like what you said there. And 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 when you initially started this conversation, you, you brought up a good point. So many of these budget conversations are done during client onboarding, and then they don't necessarily need to have the same you know, robust approach to repeat customers and repeat business and whatnot. You don't want to have, you know, if it's a project by project for, with an end user that that's looking to to raise money or, or to get money and, and associated with this project, I think that's fine. But if you're in a business, for instance, that you have, you know, repeat customer, re, repeat resales or whatever, you might not have to go through, you know, each step of the process each time. You want to establish obviously your terms and whatnot, but it might vary. Now, a big part of this, in my opinion, comes down to the maturity of the salesperson or the sales manager that, that that's willing to have these kinds of conversations. And I like the way that you said that because you're exactly right. If someone says, yeah, I got a project, I need to, you know, roll out a thousand, you know, devices and whatever that is. And you say, cool, how much you want to spend? Well, <laughs> you're, probably, you're probably not going to get too far. But um, I do think that, it, that it's very reasonable that you can, you know, have converse and you look, you don't, maybe you don't even lead with that. Maybe what you say is like, look, if you want to start this project or this idea in September and, and you expect this project or this, this idea to end in maybe February, well, that's a five to six month if I'm doing my math right, you know, uh, project, have you budgeted for that duration of time to allocate funds for this project? And if they're like, oh yeah, I, I don't think there's anything unreasonable about having that kind of conversation on the front end. So I think a bit of this comes down to to, to maturity. Um, but but I do think there's a time and place that you need to bring this up in the sales cycle. Naturally, when they're prospecting and you're educating and you're telling them and you're qualifying your organization until you really get into the nuts and bolts of what the opportunity is going to be, then I don't think you have room for that kind of budget conversation. So I do want to leave the listener with that. It is not something that you should shoot from the hip at right off the bat immediately. You should obviously have some couth and some bedside manner when you want to talk about this. You don't want to make a prospect go run for the hills. Uh, but there is a line. And I know that sales folks out there have have felt this pain when you submit a $50,000 statement of work for a marketing project or a, a, a budgetary you know project, and they come back and they say, wow, that's five times more than I thought it was. Well, look, that falls on you, Mr. Sales Team. That falls on you. No matter how much we want to say, well, I was so clear on this. I don't know what they thought about. They were giving me the runaround. If you are mature enough in the process and if you want to take extreme ownership of the sales cycle, this is something that you have to establish on the front end as soon as possible, right? Without scaring the prospect away. So it's an art, Josh. It's a bit of a... Uh, it's 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 a bit of a learning curve on how to have these conversations. Yeah, so let's talk about the art of that conversation, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about why people don't want to divulge the budget and you know, there's some definitely legitimate reasons, but if you don't know the budget and you don't have any bounds, you end up with all kinds of negative impacts which you you just mentioned one of, you know, they the budget came in or the quote came in at five times what they were expecting, right? And we'll talk yep. about some other impacts at the end of this one, but you know, the art of having that conversation, let's talk about flipping the script a little bit. Mm-hmm. One of the things I've done is, uh, and going back to what I mentioned earlier, was we asked to provide a range. So somebody says, hey, you know, do you, the sales rep, do you have a budget for this? Do you have a budget in mind? 
right? Mm-hmm. Have you thought through that? Um, however you want to open up that conversation, the answer is going to be no. No, we don't have a budget. Okay, well, what about, you know, a range? Are you, are you looking to be between a certain number? And if you know, and you're, like you said, a seasoned rep is going to know what types of projects these, how these go, right? If, if yes. you're installing a new, you know, wireless system in a, in a business and you know how many square feet it is and you ask some qualifying questions up front, you're going to be able to at least throw a range on that. You know mm-hmm. what the cheapest options are to the most, you know, robust options are going to be. Yep. So right. I like to throw out a range in certain situations. And again, Good each idea. one of these options in this art is depending on what type of what type of things you sell, what type of services you provide. But if I come in and say, well, you know, most deals like this are between twenty and sixty thousand dollars, depending mm-hmm. on your decisions and what your needs are, is that within your budget? You know, you're immediately what I've at least experienced is immediately yes or no. Right. So right. I say, Oh God, I thought this was gonna be like five grand. I've had people do that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Or they go and and then you immediately know, okay, we got to shift gears, right? We got to understand why we're so different. Is it a knowledge gap? Is it a, is it just, there's no budget for this? What is it? Right. So I like the realistic expectations or, you know, what have you. I I think that range idea is great. And you were about to mention, you know, uh, kind of doing a comparison. So if it is, you know, this model that costs 40 grand, what what is that what does that say to you and then you wait for feedback yeah right and exactly. then you can say okay well that's obviously way over or that's more robust than i need so i also like what you were saying on the comparison i think that's a really good strategy one of the things one of the things that i have always found is is really good on this is as soon as the opportunity creation starts having having some momentum one of the first things that i asked is okay god has a formal request for purchase been drafted? Has a formal scope been drafted for what you were trying to accomplish? And guys and girls, I'll tell you, if the answer is no, then they're probably just searching for ideas or looking for an education or what or whatnot. It is very important that if you are going to put in this level of effort on the pre-sales and the consulting and the educational side, which nine out of 10 folks, Josh, don't even charge for anymore in sales. Right. And well, then then there's going to be some mutual accountability there. Then what you need to do is be like, look, I'm willing to do the work for you, but not until you really figure out what you need and you've won it through the ringer in your organization. And one very strategic way to do that is to go and have them request a formal scope, a formal RFP, which is a request for a proposal or an RFQ, a request for quote. So that it now no longer is a shopping exercise. It's an initiative at the organizational level to procure something, product or service to accomplish a specific goal. It adds so much more validity to the opportunity when you get the customer involved at that formality level so that you really know, okay, now that I'm going to put in this work, these guys are pretty serious about it, right? Yeah. And I think that's, you know, another way to look at what is your sales culture and the leadership decisions you have to make as a sales leader of mm-hmm. how helpful do you want to be? You know, mm-hmm. is there a process for the people to learn, right? I know that I've been through different experiences, you know, you know, I've only been married once and I'm still married, which is great, and I had to go <laughs> through the whole ring experience, right? And yeah. one of the things that was interesting was I went to three different places 
And one of them just over delivered on the education. They did an amazing job. Um, we're, we're here in Atlanta and we went to Shane company and they were like, their whole pitch is go everywhere else first and then come to us. Um, well, I went to them first, but I mean, the education I got and the time that they spent and that they weren't pushy was actually what made me go back because mm. I was taken care of. So, so the question there is as a leader, what is, you know, what is your process when somebody doesn't have a formal scope or when they decide yeah. they don't have funds allocated? And, and those factors also come in on the size of the organization, right? If you're selling mm-hmm. to, you know, companies under 20 million in revenue, that process may be very different or will very likely be different than selling to an enterprise client that can, yes. that actually has a process around this. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you. And I mean, we could go down a rabbit hole into how many different upfront pre-sales things and, and processes and methodologies that I've seen over the years, but you bring up a really, really great point. Now, what, and I don't want to get into a different topic here because I think we've got one coming up in a few <laughs> episodes, but what is the line that you are going to draw at the organizational level to give away or to pre-sale for free or to consult for free? What's the line that you're willing to draw before you say, you know what, Mr. Customer, what you're asking me for is actually a level of consulting professional services or professional guidance on this that I'm going to have to charge you an hourly rate for because you are about to really start consuming resources that we need and we have, but we use those resources to focus on revenue generating delivery opportunities, yada, yada. So I think that's a really, really great topic. Uh, It's something that everybody should be thinking about is what level of resources are you willing to give away for free during pre-sales, solutioning, uh, bill of materials, whatever you sell, if it's a product or a service, where do you draw the line and say, okay, now we're getting a little bit too far. We're going to turn this into a statement of work and bill you 50 hours from here on out until we figure out exactly what you want. Right. And man, talk about one of the quicker ways to get them to shit or get off the pot. Right. <laughs> it's one <laughs> of those things where, real quickly. Yeah, yeah. About <laughs> face immediately. You learn how serious they are about this opportunity immediately. And one thing I don't want to lose sight of, Josh, is, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, what are the impacts if you don't do this? Yeah, so the impacts if you don't have these conversations are, and you mentioned one of them earlier, which is uh, you find out way late in the deal that they're not even close. You know, you're not yeah. even on the yeah. same page. So, for example, you, you use the $50,000 quote and they thought it was going to be ten. And then if you don't have any rules around how much time you're willing to give, a lot of times you find out that you and your team put together a lot of time to get together a quote or an estimate or, you know, a solution proposal, whatever you, whatever you're working on. And all of a sudden you're at different ends of the spectrum. So Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest way it goes wrong. uh, And that I've seen it go wrong that wastes the most time is, I mean, I've seen it where it was a hundred thousand dollar deal and somebody didn't qualify it and and the prospect had $10,000. Mm. That's a that's a major mess up from a sales perspective. Totally. Yeah. What else yeah, have you I, seen from an impact perspective if you don't have the budget conversation? Yeah, I mean when I look at when I look at, you know, I mean gosh, it's an everyday conversation with, with our sales folks and our sales managers to say, "Look guys, I want you to validate this opportunity to death before you bring in someone from true service design that has got a subject matter expertise that is really 
should be, in theory, an hourly charge. We're talking about the level of folks that can design a product, design a resource, design a delivery. Like those are chargeable folks. So if they're doing their job on the front end, well, then they've established the fact that this is a very real opportunity, that there's funds going to be allocated to the project. They've got a definitive start date and an end date. They've got an idea of when the contracts, they should be able to do a lot on the front end that that gear up. Because I will tell you, Josh, one of the most painful things that I've experienced at my organizations, and, and I can tell that my my peers at other organizations have as well, is when you take those really high-level resources and put them through something that generates absolutely no ROI, that's that that hurts. Yeah. That hurts bad. It hurts at the organizational level. Subject matter expertises are one of the highest PL line items, one of the highest salary line items in a business. And so when you put them on a project or you put them on something, you really want to align that to something that's going to give you some ROI. That's why it's so important that impact, if you don't get that up front, it is, and you start wasting billable resources, man, that CEO is going to call you into the principal's office and ask you what happened. <laughs> right, that definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. So, so that, that's the one that I see the most of. And, and I agree with your other statement as well. I mean, you know, it, it's one of those where you basically just want to work as smart as possible during these conversations. And if you lose a deal due to price, but the reason that you lose a deal on price isn't because you, you, you know, because you, uh, you had a higher price than your competitor. But if you lose a deal because of price, because you are 10 times higher than what they wanted, that's a problem. Right? Yeah, definitely. I'm not going to say you're going to win every deal because some competitor is going to come and have a whatever. That that happens. But if you lose a deal based on sticker shock, then you have not done your job on the front end to have a mature enough conversation about what these funds are how much of them, like you mentioned, Josh, I think providing a range is a great idea. You know, if it were this product or service for $10, does that match what you're thinking? You know, hey, sometimes in uh, these situations, they use this product, they use this service, and that runs about 100 grand to 150 grand. And just and just really, really wait for that feedback. I mean, th those types of tips and tricks are so huge during the sales process to maximize the time that you spend in pre-sales and most importantly not burn those those important resources for for uh, opportunities that are in the end of the day not going to go anywhere yeah and i'm going to go off on a little bit of a sales operations sidebar because you had mentioned that you know if what are the criteria what is the line you draw in order to get those operations those other uh, subject matter experts and SMEs on to do a quote, right? Mm. When, when does that happen? I know one thing that we implemented in the past was, and, and for clients, is we have a set of qualifying questions. And mm. we have an upcoming podcast on you know, lead qualification, and we've talked about lead qualification before. Um, but we had a list of questions where we would mandate that before anybody else was allowed to even get involved, you had to have these questions answered. And so you weren't allowed to do that. And then on the second step as a backup, the SME, once they were asked to be pulled in, was responsible for going into the CRM and making sure those six questions were filled in and asking a little bit about those questions to make sure that the sales rep didn't just type in a number mm -hmm. or type in 
answers exactly. to these, these these fields, right? Which happens. I, I have I have <laughs> never issue. seen that before. I'll tell you, I've never seen that before. <laughs> It'll be a different <laughs> podcast. Yeah. So they were responsible with for validating it before they engaged, and then they could engage. And based on those answers, we actually dictated whether you know how much time that SME could spend. So you know if it's un- over a certain amount or under a certain amount, we we allotted a certain amount of time for that SME to be involved. And if they weren't filled in, then that SME or the other team members had full authority to push back on that sales rep and say, "Look, this isn't this isn't a fully qualified deal. Go back. Mm. You know, yep. go get these things answered." Um, because that that one check and balance is a very clear way to say, did the sales rep have these conversations like a budget conversation? Did they fill it in? And or are we going to be wasting time because you're just shooting in the wind? Yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, and and I really like the level of um, I guess I'll call that sophistication um, or pre-sales discipline before they can get a subject matter expert or a solution architect or one of these high level, high paid individuals in there to really put the screws into the scope of the deal or the product. They have the pre six or to eight qualifying questions that the sales individual and the sales manager are responsible for filling out. There's a validation point to that subject matter expert before he or she jumps into that deal. Uh, I think that's all great. And really at that point, Josh, the only last question that the organization needs to ask themselves is when the sales team and the client is ready for that SME to come in, are you billing for him or her or not? Yeah. And that's all part of the model of the organization, right? Do they, do they bill for the time? Do they need to, um, what are, what are other industry competitors doing? You know, how is that a differentiator? You know, that's a, a whole nother bag of worms and questions on that. Right. Um, Awesome. Yeah. So the only two other things that pop into mind before we wrap this one up are, you know, that art of the conversation, the art of getting the budget. So we talked about, you know, do they have a formal scope? What, you know, can you provide that formal scope, formal start date expectations, providing a range? Um, the other two ways that I've done it in the past, and I'll just highlight these quickly is, yeah, please. Um, if it were X, does that match what you're looking for? If this was about $90,000, is that, a, is that what you're looking for? So I would have people all the time and say, well, you know, we don't have a budget. And I would say, you know, I'll ask them the range question. They're like, well, mm-hmm. we don't really know. And I would say, and they would say, well, don't worry about it. We, we're, we'll, we have it right. You know, we have the money, you know, they try and play it off because they don't want to be boxed into a range. It, it, exactly. And then, yep. you know, the next one is, well, you, you might have to get a little more forceful depending on your culture and how you sell. But my next follow up to somebody dodging the range question is, or if you can't provide a range is, you know, okay, so if this was $100,000 or more, you would have no problem with that, mm, right? Yeah. And then you get another level of thought, right? Because, and sometimes, I mean, I've even gone overboard on this. I know it's a $20,000 project or or based on what they've said, I think it would be about a $20,000 project, but they just won't come off a number or give me any indication whether they have $20,000. I'd say, okay, no problem. So if what you're saying to me is going to be 100000 that's not going to be a problem, and immediately you'll get a different response. Yes, you so will. So it depends on these kind of levels of push, how far you want to go to get this and, and you know, the type of person you're dealing with. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I would implore everybody that's listening, as uncomfortable as that conversation feels in the moment, that pain is worth it in the long run to help you work smart, to help you gain some maturity, and to really put your customers on the spot to make sure, quite frankly, that they're not wasting your time. 
or your organization's time. They don't, maybe they don't not trying to be malicious about it, but sometimes we spend a lot of time on things that do not come to any sort of fruition. And this is one of those very key milestones in pre-sales that you need to have as soon as possible if you want to work as smart as you can. Yeah, definitely. Well, hopefully this helped all of our sales leaders out there and listeners understand the challenges around something as simple as having a budget conversation with prospects. Um, something as simple as training sales reps to have a budget conversation gets very complex very quickly. So we hope that you've uh, taken some great feedback and great options on how to overcome that challenge. Mm. Enjoyed it today, Josh. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Founder Scale Sales Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this content, please subscribe and give us five stars on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening platform.